Hello, and welcome to Reincarnation Past Lives Revisited, where we will cover one of the many reported cases of reincarnation so we can bring the discussion out into the light about what happens to our souls after death. But before we go too much further, I'd like to thank Alexios Arctos for his amazing sound engineering and editing work, and Raphael Crooks for allowing us to use his music from the freepd.com public domain music site. Today, we return to find out more about Frank Luke Jr. from Luke and his experiences relating to having the memories and researching them. Frank Luke Jr. was always considered a bit of a rebel and a wild card who could be rebellious, and I'm intrigued to see that some of that same personality was coming out in our guest Luke today, as he recounts some incidents that have happened in his life. Let's join Luke as he gives us further insight into his memories of Frank Luke and his own experiences. Just to go back to the timeline, I made some notes. And like I said earlier, it has to be stuff that I acquired at a young age. Because after you read a book, it's very rare to have uh, books about your past life, you know? It doesn't actually negate anything you find moving forward, particularly if you can remember things and you have memories that are quite specific to Frank Luke Jr. If you can remember little nuances of things, you know, the things that no one else could ever know, like James Lenigan knew about a painting that his mother, that James the Houston Jr., his mother painting of him and it was up in the attic and no one knew about it, but he just said, oh, have you still got the painting? You know, things like that are still very valuable because they're not written about still. Right. So I have an obsession with a, a little motorcycle, you know, something like that, that's not shared in a book, that's not public. And if it was in the family related to Frank Luke, to them or to somebody, that would be another piece of synchronicity, right? And Definitely. there's so many, I don't have enough time to write them all down. And, and I'm continuing since I've uh, met you to write more pieces down. Uh, you call it a case, right? And that's a nice way to describe it. I've never called it a case, but I guess if you're going to tell people about it uh, and go public about it, it's considered a case, right? Well, it's a case because you, uh, someone who definitely has genuine memories, you've got all of the classic signs of it, all of the classic events that have happened, you know. So therefore, Stevenson would call this a case. Excellent. Yeah. And it's so nice because I'm looking forward to regression. I can tell you there's more there and... It's not going to conflict with what an author has put in a book. It's going to be much deeper and older than that. Just remember um, with another... regression to actually check as much as you can and, and remember that even with regression, you will get little snippets of it that aren't right, but that's fine because you will have like about 70% accuracy. And that does not mean that the memories are false. It just means that, you know, with anything relating to memory, you're going to have discrepancies. Yeah, exactly. Like I've noticed that some of my very specific dreams to Frank Luke Jr. were not exactly the same detail, but the event was perfect. And for me, when I woke up from the dream, it was the feeling I acquired from it that had to go in the journal. That was what needed to be saved. And you can't share a feeling. It's like trying to describe a color to somebody. It's very hard. And so I've walked this for five years now since I bought the book. And I believe in angels, you know, I'm religious, I shared that with you earlier. And the day I bought the book was very special. I went into the store, and I was shopping for a small model, like a plastic model that you build of an aircraft. And I just mentioned to the guy, hey, have you ever heard of Frank Luke Jr.? Because I literally just heard about this guy, perfect stranger, never ever. 
And he says, you know, the weirdest thing, someone just brought in a used book this morning about Frank Luke Jr. And I said, really? Oh, wow, I'd love to purchase the book. He said, I haven't put a price on it yet. And I didn't want to tell him I'll pay anything. <laughs> and he says, uh, you know, 60 bucks or whatever, 50 bucks. And I bought it. And it just, as I took it from the store, I, I thought to myself, like, what road am I going down, you know? And But it was so exciting to see that I can have a memory and it's true, you know? It's like, it's actually part of a, a past life. So like I said earlier, this guy, Frank Luke, lived a pretty amazing life. The last 17 days, he... Uh, he set a record shooting down German aircraft. But if you go prior to those 17 days, this is the part of his life that I like and I want to learn more about. And I can contribute to it, you know, with my own memories. So here's two other little synchronicities. One is wine-flavored coffee. Have you ever heard of wine-flavored coffee? One day, somebody put a little bit of wine in my coffee as a joke. And when I tasted the flavor... I immediately said to them, it's like the coffee in war. And they're like, what are you talking about? It's like the coffee in war. And I said, I'm not sure what I'm talking about. And so later on, I was researching a little bit about um, the airfield that Frank Luke went to. And they would bring the coffee in wine crates and it would absorb some of the wine flavor. And so I think uh, a lot of past life things can be, you don't even notice them, but smells, sights, sounds will peak uh, part of who you really are on the inside, not your learned behavior, not your DNA, not the circumstances you're living in, but who you are in the core. And so now that I'm more aware of reincarnation and the fact that I have uh, a case to talk about, I've been writing all these things down, all these little things that, that peak my interest and in smells and sights and sounds. Here's another uh, dream that I don't want to share with a lot of people, but hey, why not, right? It's a piece of evidence. The actual machine guns on the front of uh, the aircraft that I would have flown in World War I, a SPAD-13, and it really is an amazing and beautiful airplane, faster, more agile. So when I had dreams as a young man in World War I, and I wasn't always sure if it was World War I or II because there was trainers in World War II that had biplanes, that had two wings. Anyways, obviously biplanes. The tone of the machine gun. I've reviewed all the little pieces of my memories and dreams and past life uh, experience in my life as far as I want to share. There's a few other little tidbits of information. As an adult, I've dreamt uh, of the scenario of dying in Marvaux, France. Do you actually have memories of that or do you? Yeah. Do you... And so there's one thing I've been accused, obviously, if someone is going to take uh, valor from a, a soldier, they're going to get accused of this as they try to say that it's their past life, right? And I've experienced this. Is that what you truly believe? And it's like 100%. It was prior to a hockey game and I woke up and I had the most profound dream of dying and I canceled the hockey, I wrote it down. And this was like, you know, age 30, a good five years before I said to myself, I have to do something about these memories. And, and I prayed about it. And I found my past life. So it wasn't that much time difference between the particular dream of dying, and the time of finding the story of Frank Luke Jr. And in the dream, it is the courtyard, where the villages and the houses are, and there's a cemetery and one thing that doesn't match is in my dream, there was a very bright light right above the courtyard in the middle of the houses. 
and this light is where I went to, or, you know, how many people say that when they experience death or a near-death experience, there's a light, a warm feeling involved. And so in this dream, it was landing, crawling, and dying in a courtyard. And this would be in a World War I aircraft. And it was short, powerful, and it was written down. And I kind of like wrote about it many times after that it, it shook me to my core, you know? And so when I saw pictures of it, it, it really resembled the, what I remember the dream portraying the landscape of the town to be, you know? So as far as I'm concerned, if you take the pieces of chasing balloons as a child and just absolutely loving pointing my toy rifle at them and pretending to take down balloons for years, my dad would take me balloon hunting. This is how I remember it. He would yell, Luke, there's a balloon in the southern sky. And I would run down the stairs as a child and grab my little toy rifle and jump in the pickup truck. And we would, uh, we would chase these hot air balloons. We called it hunting or chasing. Obviously, my dad taught me nonviolent. Don't point your rifle at the balloon. We're just going to watch it land. If you take all these pieces and you put it together, I can't seem to imagine that there's another pilot out there that would fit these memories. And I'd be open to that. I've had people say that, that maybe Frank Luke is haunting me, you know, which doesn't make sense because if you learn about him, he's kind and caring. And why would he turn that way on the other side in the spirit world? Why would he become someone to haunt, you know? I think the thing that to me strongly points it towards being a reincarnation memory is, as you've described, it's the feelings for you to say that you actually tried to write down your feelings at most uh, reincarnation memories are actually sort of centered around feelings. It's not to do with, you know, the linear events that happen. It's more to yeah. do with the emotion attached to it. And that's what you're describing. And that's what you've described all the way through. And especially your feeling when you actually found Frank Luke Jr. of that feeling of epiphany, but almost overwhelming, like this is it, this mm -hmm. is it. To me, it was a gift. It was elation. It was happiness. It was solving pieces of my life that I needed to solve. And that's what I presented to the universe in my prayer is we have to solve this for me to move forward. And then since that finding of Frank Luke, it's only compounded to become more evident to me that it's true. And I need to pursue these other avenues of memories and other people maybe reach out to the family. I don't think they will take kindly to my claim, but perhaps uh, I'm wrong, you know. Also, if I were to pick someone that I wanted to be, it would be Eddie Reckenbacker. Do you know who that is? It's the number one ace. <laughs> Why would I pick number two? It doesn't make sense. <laughs> Another thing, I have no benefit or desire to lie. You kind of get a bit of a feel for this as you're going along. I talk to a lot of people in the reincarnation world, and for some people you can sense that it's not coming from the right angle, if you know what I mean. Yours is just yeah. so classic. It's incredible. It's And the fact that you've documented it, to me, is just amazing that you were able to remember things before you knew, even knew who you were. That is classic and very, very rare, very rare. Yeah, and, and it's really nice as an adult for it to happen because you don't grow out of it. I don't think I'm going to grow out of uh, believing in reincarnation. Obviously, at church, they tried to like bless it out of me or teach it out of me, and, and that's not how it goes. The truth is the truth, and you, you have to accept, you know, if you have more than one life, what are you going to do? Stop it from happening? You can't, you know? So, yeah, it's uh, another thing about uh, religion. I've been going to church my whole life, and you call it scripture. It's the word of God, right? And 
it says all good things come from God. So if you're on a journey of past life and you're finding out about yourself, you're seeking and you're finding the answers, and this is a good thing. It has to come from a good place. And they say that revelation, which is how I received the inspiration to search my memories, I didn't even think that it would be so easy to find an actual story that matches my memories. It's called revelation, and it comes through the ghost or the spirit, you know, the Holy Ghost or the spirit. And it says in the good book that God can bring all things to our remembrance. So me and you, Marilyn, may think, well, we remember our whole life. I remember being a kid. I remember going to school and having a job. Well, I don't think it's talking. It says all things to our remembrance. In other words, there's more there than just what we remember. Here's another uh, piece of religion. I've got one, two, three, four, five of them, if you don't mind. Mm. One says, as a man thinketh, so he is. And so by that scripture alone, I think and believe that I am him, then by that definition, it's true, you know? All things are possible with God. So for those who doubt reincarnation, it's not true because even the good book says all things are possible with God. And here's the best one to support reincarnation. In the book of Job, chapter 1, verse 21, Job says, I came from my mother's womb, and I will return to my mother's womb again someday. Uh, I'm paraphrasing, but that's exactly, he says he will return to his mother's womb, which is what reincarnation is. It's a birth, right? It's one birth, two birth, three birth. Scripture says, ask and ye shall receive. And so if, you know, I was seeking to receive, and I asked God for the answer. And another scripture, if people are listening and they want to look up. This is the most profound scripture to support reincarnation. It's Matthew 17, verse 12 and 13. And Jesus says to his disciples, Elijah has already been born, but they did not recognize him because he was John the Baptist. Yes, that, me, was actually was, that was actually the one I was going to point out to you, that mm-hmm. modern mainstream Christianity doesn't believe in reincarnation but in actual fact there are hints to it in the bible and you know i think it's a matter of interpretation in some cases of uh, what people feel is a message is is not that they would rather veer away from the idea of reincarnation when in actual fact well they people start saying like they're trying to say if it's true devalues your current life and that's not true at all it's it's up to God, I think. I believe in the spirit world, angels, ghosts, and even more than that, I believe in even further and more in, than that. And we don't know everything about the other side of the veil. So I would just say, I don't want to sound like an ignorant person and, and claim I know exactly what happens. So if somebody does say, oh, I know exactly what happens on the other side of the veil, you just have to not listen to what they say, <laughs> because we don't know every tiny detail. And if a spirit is going to come back and be born, I don't think it's up to us. In fact, some people say we have the choice today, Marilyn, when we get to that side. I have some memories, not memories, they're kind of like current, like it, it's like living in the moment. But after death, what do you go through for 100 years or 50 years or whatever? And so like I have, uh, I'm pretty sure that I was, I asked and convinced and wanted to come and be born again. In other words, you can plead your case or karma, right? If you deserve another chance. And I think so many young soldiers, they would deserve another chance. You know, it only makes sense that that they get to come back. And what happened right after World War II, there was a baby boom. 
tons of spirits were being born all over the world. Well, America, I don't know. <laughs> I didn't do enough research. <laughs> all over the world, I think. I think it's a, a well-known thing. that, And it's interesting. I mean, I, people would put that down to the sort of the optimism of the war finishing and things like that. But I think in actual fact, it's because we lost so many souls in the war. We lost so many consciousnesses that need to come back or deserve to come back, whatever, you know. I agree with you, actually. I think there is a choice on the other side. I think you do have quite, not necessarily complete choice. Sometimes people, even when they don't want to come back, seem to come back. But I think it's on the whole, if you've lived a relatively good life and been a relatively good person, I think you do have more choice than you realize because that's how we know, we know that kids pick their parents. So, you know, there is a, it's not something that's just out of your control. Yeah. And then also, I'm very, very cautious to ever touch on the realm of imagination, you know, but I truly believe I've met past life people. And I can't say that it was from 100 years ago or 1000 years ago. But when you meet them, it's different, it's special. But it's so hard. That's even harder to prove to yourself through synchronicities of who they are or how you may have known them. I agree with you. I think actually, the research seems to indicate that we almost have like a preferred group of souls that we we can come back with again and again or you know that pop in and out you know it seems to be well, that we can choose to come back with people as well yeah it's part of the plan so it, it's it's quite a journey right i listened to a lot of your podcasts and i think some people are further along on their journey than I would be, you know, I think mine's a little fresh or a little new, or I'm still managing the reality of what I believe in. And I want to move forward with it. And I see that some of the other people you've spoke to, they go to a regressionist, they actually put it to rest, you know, they put it to sleep. And I don't think that I'm going to go that way. I actually phoned a museum in Phoenix, Arizona, a museum, and I'm like dead set on purchasing this museum and going to air shows with it and promoting it, you know, that's how I view moving forward. <laughs> and some people, they put it to rest, and they never speak about it. I always refer to the history, like nothing like this existed 100 years ago. We have so much fun with this modern technology. My favorite part is the food and the clothing. And I've really come to love electronic dance music, like very, you know, high pitched, high energy music. Yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? I'm blown away by the fact that I now have friends that I met online who've been such good friends that they came to my wedding and I would wow. never have known them without actually technology because I'd never have met them. Yeah. And people yeah. like you and being able to get the story out like this, you know. You said to mm -hmm. me, what did I think is your next step forward? I don't think you will ever forget being Frank Luke Jr. I think it's going to be wow. something that is a big part of your life permanently or you would have already forgotten it most kids usually forget around the age of five so if you retain the memories into adulthood they'll always be there I think whatever you have the reason of having the memories I think you once you actually solve that then you may your focus on it may change a little bit but it will always be there so you know I suspect that if you feel strongly enough that you want to start a museum you want to start a museum on Frank Luke Jr you mean or you want to start one on reincarnation no, uh, Frank Luke, there is one that exists in, in Arizona, and it's called the Frank Luke Jr. Museum, but it contains things of uh, a World War One and Two Navy, Air Force, Army, but they don't have a SPAD-13, which is the aircraft that I'm obsessed with, and I could fly one today if there was one parked at my local airport, you know, and the guy let me take it up, I'd know exactly what to do. 
So part of it is the emotion. And there was uh, many times where I feel uh, like almost like grieving or crying. Like it was kind of sad to accept the reality that you only got 21 years and you didn't get to be the best and you're not famous. Like it's weird to. So for example, when I first read about Frank Luke losing his best friend, who was his wingman, and it like, I had to put the book down and I, and I had to weep and I had to go for long walks and I had to say to myself, it was okay, you know? And like, we all went over there to do a job. So Joseph Wainer is my wingman who sacrificed himself covering my ass in the air. I truly believe I met him in this life, you know? And it's like, so then if you can retain somebody for long enough to talk about reincarnation and then tell them that you're a past World War I pilot, it's very hard to say that you've also met a person from that past life. But maybe that is or isn't possible. But either way, finding out about, um, like, that was a pretty hard... So I believe it could be like spiritual trauma you carry forward to your next life, and you got to sort it out and deal with it in the next life. And I don't have the same depth of grieving or sadness from how terrible war is, you know? So you think that might be why you actually retained the memories because you still had unresolved feelings about your grief with the war and the way and losing your friend and, you know, the things that happened? Oh, yeah, I would agree with that for sure. Like it's been four years and for the few years prior, it was actually like feelings and memories of World War One were not so pleasant you know the dream you'd wake up and it's like why am I dreaming about machine guns you know like I never touched a gun in my whole life but now I say to myself like oh it's okay if, if you dream of something violent it's not necessarily your intent in life right it's just a an old memory and some people will say it's just uh, your mind making it up but I know some of these profound feelings we go through in life, it has to be connected to our past life. And so, I don't know, I've learned a lot and I'm ready to move, to put my bad behavior to rest. So this claim I have of being him, he was 21 when he passed away. He was very young gun, you know, young and full of energy. And and it's like, I love aging. (laughs) I hate to say it that way, but like I'm 40 now, 4-0. And it's kind of like... Life is so precious, you know, I'm so blessed to have a little life. And I do want to prove to people that it is my past life. And I don't want to benefit from it financially. I don't want to go on YouTube and and make a video or a book. You know, it's been so hard to reach out to people. And, and you're the first one to actually give me the time of day. I've contacted some of the authors of the book. And boy, they definitely want to d- prove me wrong, you know. And maybe because we take a, like it was 17 days. And if you take my behavior in this life, you'd say to yourself, oh, yeah, this guy could totally go on a rampage. Like, I'm considered a bit of a crazy guy or a madman. I can prove it, too, but I don't want to. That actually matches Frank Luke Jr.'s personality almost to a T. And that is something that you do find is that, you know, because you are actually a consciousness that is continuing through a series of lives that often people do have the same I suppose you could say not personality. Sometimes personality can be different, but traits, there can be traits that you bring through. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like your core of who you are, you watch a child at age one and a half, two, and from same parents, same house, same upbringing, same exposure, completely different creatures, you know, completely different behavior. 
But then we have all this government, school, parent learned behavior that it changes who you are. Like I'm a nonviolent person, but I just obsess over World War One and absolutely love the sound and smell and sight of machine guns. And like there's these things that you couldn't necessarily explain. And then the synchronicities I talked about as a child, like, boy, I wish I could go back and watch cell phone videos of, of my when I was little because you could really learn a lot about yourself. And it's the same thing, finding out about a past life, which you don't need a book to do. I'm pretty sure people go and acquire enough information through regression and meditation, and I suggest prayer, that you have enough to work with, you know, you have enough information about yourself. And so, yeah, if synchronicities, another thing is uh, numerology. I've seen a lot of the numbers are always matching, you know, and there's there's signs along the way. If you have to be uh, pay attention. Uh, my dad taught me to, to really pay attention to detail. You want to know something I've recently had? It does or does not go into the realm of imagination, someone could claim, is I've had these uh, impressions of my parents from 1897 to 1917 or 16. Like The parents that were involved with Frank Luke had a big part to do with his success and behavior and performance in the Air Force. And so I had a dream and I woke up and I was like, it's got to be a parental learned behavior, you know, to pay attention to detail, to stop and really focus on what you're doing. And something Frank Luke went through in his family is constant constructive criticism, constant stop what you're doing and look, you know, look at the detail of what you're doing and being corrected. And so when I was researching the fact that he would shoot balloons down, one of the things I remember doing is shooting for specific spots on a balloon, whereas other pilots would go in and they would basically be flying by the seat of their pants, you know? And it's like these few aircraft dreams I've had with armament, with machine guns mounted, because I have some dreams of flying airplanes and there's no uh, opponent and there's no guns involved. But when, when there is one, it's like you're desperately trying to hit a specific spot or target. And I don't know, I guess I'm rambling a little bit, Marilyn, but my point is I've had like so many times where I've woke up and that desire to compete or perform or show off who you are and that you're the best. It's so strong. It is so strong. And so I take this behavior to the racetrack. I've always been a huge uh, a race car fan and advocate and, and I drive and race as often as I can. And when you strap in the cockpit of a race car, it's not too much different than strapping into a, a fighter plane. You know, some people could relate the experience, the adrenaline rush. Yeah, it sounds like it's something that actually does definitely transfer. We actually spoke before we had this interview and you mentioned that you are into sort of, I wouldn't say extreme sports, but sports that do have a degree of adrenaline to them. And independent. They, I really didn't do well with team sports, you know unless uh, I was the captain. But when they said you're the goalie or the right winger, I, I didn't like it. So snowboarding, you're alone and you compete. Racing cars, you strap in, you're, it's yourself, you go at it. Stuff like that. It's really been race cars the whole time, to be honest with you. <laughs> it's like, it's, it, it's so soothing when I'm out there. So when my dad was alive, I was pursuing my commercial pilot's license. And I used to come home and I'd tell him that, it is so different than what I expected it to be. I expected it to be an adrenaline rush, and it wasn't. Flying an aircraft without any machine guns mounted to it and without another human trying to kill you, there's no adrenaline. 
you're actually just like a bird. You're sailing along peacefully, quietly sailing along. And so it didn't match what my expectations were, you know? And mm. I used to sit and tell stories of, of how it would have been. And this is all prior to finding out about Frank Luke. And I used to just uh, brag about how much adrenaline would have been involved in a combat of a dogfight back in, in World War One and two. Because today the aircraft are miles away when you engage the enemy. So it's not the same, it's not that same nitty gritty, you know, face to face, fist to fist, toe to toe action. I tell other people, if, if you have obsessions, like I, I know a friend who is very obsessed with uh, warships, you know, and particularly old uh, wooden ones from like the, the English Empire must have had to sail those big sailing ships. And I try to tell people, if you have a very serious obsession with some time frame or something, it's most likely connected to a past life, you know, but mm -hmm. you have to pull the reins back on imagination because it could get the best of you, you know, and that's what I'm getting uh, branded with when I share my case. Just imagine if I just bumped into you at a coffee shop and I said, hey, guess what? I'm Frank Luke Jr. And you're like, who the hell is that? You know, and it's like, ah, oh, World War One pilot that, uh, that did pretty good, that did okay, he did okay. Like people would think you're crazy, right? So I've learned that it's, it's, it's weird. It's not like a, I can't go around and, and tell everybody. Now, mind you, if I could get the family to corroborate my letters home, you know, it may make the case more uh, notable. And that's what my hope is. That's what I pray to God about. I've prayed many times because it says in the good book, you can ask for things and you can receive them. And I kind of want to have a bit more proof in the future so that maybe my story will resonate with more people that feel they have past lives. You never know. It is worth, I mean, if you can be brave enough to do it because it is quite a, it is a difficult conversation to have, but you never know how you'll be received. I actually do know quite a few people who have actually contacted families from their past life and they have been received very well. Jenny Cockell is a very wow. famous case. She has definitely been accepted by her past family. And I know another young chap who had memories of Vietnam War, he contacted and has regular contact with his son from a past life. So I think, yeah. you know, you might find it, you, it's more receptive than you think, particularly if you have someone who's younger in the family who might be interested. You might often find that might be a way to talk to someone. And I would just ask them. I mean, can't hurt. You might be surprised. Yeah, so they own a, a large car dealership in Phoenix, Arizona, and it's hard to get in touch with a CEO, you know, and he was on the news the other day because there was a Chinese balloon that floated over the airspace of America, and for the first time, the F-22 Raptor, a fighter jet in service with the Air Force, got to shoot something down, and it was an unmanned balloon. So the call sign on each aircraft that went up to shoot the balloon down was called Frank 1 and Frank 2, an homage to the first airman to ever receive the Medal of Honor. Shooting down balloons. That's incredible, isn't it? It's really incredible. So Don Luke was on the news talking about his man cave, and he showed pictures in his house, pictures of Frank Luke. And I thought, I think that's the room where my letters are. <laughs> the, Probably. The local news. Yeah, that's where these letters are locked up. And I would love to go to regression, acquire more memories, and then let the owner of these letters do his own comparison, you know? Yeah. The, the thing is to get like uh, to get uh, a chance to speak to them properly about it. 
So perhaps you could always write a letter to the car dealership addressed to him and basically say, I have a great deal of interest in Frank Luke Jr. He's a, a bit of a passion of mine. And then talk to him first about it. And then, because that's what the Lenigas did, they actually uh, felt very uncomfortable about coming out and saying, our little son is remembering being James Houston Jr. Uh, so they ended up just saying, well, you know, we're just researching his life because I'm fascinated by him. Or I think at the time Bruce said, we're thinking of writing a book. Mm-hmm. But you don't have to go that far. You don't have to lie about it. You could just say, I have an interest in him and, I, and he's my passion, which is true. And then let the conversation go where it goes. And then you could probably say, the thing is, I do have these memories. Once you've connected with people, because when you connect, you are someone who comes across as being very open, very honest about it. And the fact that you actually have a degree of scepticism or that you've actually looked at in the past, you've had sort of a degree of scepticism that you've overcome is very telling to me. That's a good sign because it shows that you're not someone out for your own means, if you know what I mean. Right. This is not a plan that I hatched up. <laughs> and mm. now that I've been through it and, and I know unequivocally, beyond a shadow of a doubt, confirmed by God that you had a past life and there's a friggin' author who wrote a book about it, right? I'm so lucky. I feel so blessed and it's never going to go away. And I don't want to refer to him as him because it is me. It is my spirit minus the DNA, right? Like I used to always stare in the mirror. And I wanted to just change a tiny little bit about myself visually. And one thing was uh, my eye color didn't always feel right, you know. And I knew I wanted bright blue eyes. And I can guarantee Frank used to get complimented on his eyes all the time. Not that I dislike my eyes now. (laughs) That's not what I'm saying. But so some people will say, oh, your eye color doesn't match. This proves that it's not you. I'm like, okay, so the universe, God, spirits are all going around doing this. And they can't change the eye color. Some people's uh, view on reincarnation is is very uh, subjective, you know. People usually saying it too are the ones who haven't really looked at the, the research or really looked at what has been discovered about it. And one of the things that comes up frequently in reincarnation is people say, I must have been this person because I look spot on. There are some people who do look spot on and who do have the memories, but they have the memories and that's the thing. Looks mm-hmm. and appearance have nothing to do with reincarnation. Literally, our bodies are literally a car that we step into and drive around for 90 years. It's got nothing to do with who we were in a past life or what we look like. Although some people seem to pick people that have very similar so that they will look because Jeff Keane is the spitting image of John Gordon. Yeah, that's the the Civil War general. Is that the one? But he is the rarity. Yes, he is. uh, Yeah, he's rare. And James Linegar is rare. To have so much accuracy at such a young age, like it's possible I may have had it, but nobody was tuning in. Parents aren't tuning into it, you know? And so I tell them, I tell my relatives when they're little, tune into what they say when they wake up, write down some of the crazy off the wall comments of, of potentially having a past life and it may pay dividends in the future. So you know how they used to do a census a hundred years ago, 50 years ago, and then it's private. They don't release the census information for a certain period of time. Do they do that in Australia? They do. I think it's something like 100 years in in the English system. I don't know about America. 
yeah, so let's just fast forward 100 years. It's potential that there's going to be uh, servers with copies of all sorts of social media accounts and videos and YouTube. And, and it's like we may stumble into treasure trove of past life information in the future. I'm talking, you know, 50 years, 100 years in the future. And, and that's part of what you're doing almost is you're, you're trying to save more of what wasn't saved 100 years ago. I think it's yeah. crucial if someone if someone's child has memories or is saying something, and I say this to all the mothers who contact me, document, 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 because f- firstly, children can often lose the memories around five, and then it's it can becomes a case of, oh, my child said something, but I can't remember what they said. And so document, because for a start, it actually records what they said. But for a second, in cases like yours, it's a breadcrumb of proof. You spoke about mm-hmm. these things before you knew Frank Luke Jr. You wrote it, wrote down about them. And so anything you can find out now that can correlate back to that is massive. In fact, that's huge. You actually, your case is actually very exciting because you did so much documentation. So I would love to keep touch with you and oh, we'll, prob- sure. we'll probably end up sort of, I'd say we've pretty much covered it now, but I would love you to stay in touch with me with anything that might happen in the future. Because I suspect that you still halfway through finding out about Frank and about your case. Right. That's kind of what it feels like to me. And I'm glad the first part's over. That was the hardest part. (laughs) And I hope the rest of it goes very well. And people do receive me like you have, because I got rejected by a lot of people. And I've told many people I'm completely willing to go on a lie detector test. You know, they're like $2,000 to get a real deal certified lie detector test done then at least you can dismiss any hoaxes on my part. You know what I mean? And Marilyn, the greatest fear I have is what I've already experienced is people getting so angry and mad that you're trying to steal a soldier's valor, you know? And I don't know how to step sidestep that, you know? So just keep that in mind. I think the thing is, I don't think that that is the case. I think in some ways it's unfortunate that he was an ace because if he'd been just a normal Joe, you wouldn't have had the problem. I mean, in some ways, that's where James Leniger was lucky because James Houston Jr. was an exceptional pilot and did an amazing amount of excellent work. But he he wasn't really necessarily renowned for anything. So he was lucky yeah. because he didn't have to deal with that. You, you get a lot of people saying a lot of things when it comes to reincarnation, but it's usually because they don't really understand what reincarnation is. And they're saying, well, you're trying to steal his valor. It's not that. It's that people who have, you know, five minutes of fame are going to reincarnate the same as everybody else. And that, and pretty much that's what happened. As you said, his fame came from the last, what, 17 days of his life or something. It's just a perfect combination, you know. In today's world, you don't get provided aircraft and sent off to do these missions. And so he just found himself in a job that he uh, applied for, and he happened to do really good at it, you know. And it's just, I know I would have been an ace, like 100% in that situation. Yeah, it's, it's the hardest part is for people to, to accept that, hey, you know, maybe some past lives you did really good, you know? Well, I think that's the thing. I think, you know, uh, as you say, if, if you were trying to steal the glamour of someone's past life, you know, accomplishments, you wouldn't pick the second one. You'd pick the first one or you would pick someone who, was a lot more famous for other things as well. You know what I mean? Like a like Patton or, you know. Yeah, or a race car driver. I would be uh, the most famous race car driver. You know, if you could just <laughs> pick your life. Too bad we couldn't pick our lives. 
And I really do believe in fate and destiny. I know a lot of people don't believe in fate and destiny. In other words, that mission was pre, uh, what is it called? Predetermined or predestined? predestined? It was, yeah. And so you can screw up predestiny, but when you do what you're supposed to, you complete your predestiny. So like, that's, that's what I think happened in that particular 17 days is he, he, he just followed the right steps and he did the right things. And it's something I've always strived for in this life is like it's in our church, it's called CTR, choose the right. And as children, we used to have little uh, pendants, you know, and things CTR, choose the right. And that's all he was doing. He actually had a, a speech, a very small, short speech on September 19th, which was 10 days prior to his last flight. And all he simply said to the crowd was, I'm just doing the job I was sent here to do. And you know, sometimes it's a perfect combination of, of his upbringing, his athleticism, marksmanship, and the desire to fly that little airplane. He writes in the book, the author says that Luke claimed he was a different man in the air every time he flew. And that's exactly how I feel about the race cars today. It's like every time I strap into the cockpit of a race car, I feel like a completely different, I feel like my spirit can come alive and be itself, you know? And that's what was happening in that airplane is, is I think God created me to do that. And you're created one way, right, Marilyn? Like you you have such a kind uh, persona about you. So helpful and you're, and, and you're choosing the right, you're doing the right thing. Well, thank you. That's um, lovely. I try to. I think the important thing that we're supposed to do is and be, I, you don't have to be perfect, but just try and I prefer to go through my life and try and be someone who makes a difference in a positive way rather than in a negative way. Oh, yeah, for sure. And that's another thing. It's uh, about the modern world is it's uh, unfortunate what's happening over in Russia and Ukraine. But we definitely are not having the same world wars that we used to. It's like I love the nonviolent modern world that we live in, you know, but no, I'm so grateful to have found you and you spent so much time messaging me. And it really kept me going. Because I'm telling you, when you claim to be a Medal of Honor recipient in World War One, like everybody drops you. You lose everybody. And I'm okay with that because some of them people weren't very good to me to start with, you know? Maybe everything happens for a reason. But uh, yeah, I'd love to keep in touch. I like sending you messages and by no means do you have to reply to all of them, you know? I don't have a lot of friends. I am hard to deal with, you know? <laughs> and so, and then I'm so adamant that uh, reincarnation and God exist. And so that narrow, everything I believe in starts to narrow my field of people that I can have in my life. So yeah, I'll keep messaging you. And I actually am applying, I'm a dual citizen. I'm an American citizen as well. So I'll be moving down there. I'm getting my paperwork and passport and citizenship very soon. And I'm really keen on doing two things immediately when I get to America. One is past life regression. And two is uh, to meet the Luke family and try to have them consider some of my letters you know maybe i could touch base in a year with another uh, case or more more evidence to my case i think you and i will stay friends and we'll end up talking quite a bit so i would love to hear how you get on and if there's any uh new developments in your case then i'll get you back on the podcast and we can talk about it i've always had the, my big dream has been having someone who's finding their story halfway through a bit like ryan hammonds did to actually meet someone who's in the middle of doing that is very exciting for me. So, yeah. yeah who's Ryan it, Hammonds? Is he on your podcast? Uh, Ryan Hammonds is a very ca famous reincarnation case of a young child who had memories of being a Hollywood talent agency sort of scout kind of guy. And he had something like 
I think it was something like mm, 70 points he could remember about the life and 56 of them were proven, which is staggering. Oh. Yeah. Wow. Very interesting. And he's also, he also has a little bit of sigh attached to it as well. He, he sort of can see things that are going to happen a little bit. Not nothing oh. major, but. I've had that. What is that called? So I've actually, I drowned to death when I was a child and they resuscitated me on the deck of the pool. I also had an out-of-body experience. So I was involved in a police chase. The police were chasing me. It was a very, very minor miscommunication between me and the police officer. And I decided to step on the gas pedal. And through one intersection that I drove through, I viewed the entire incident from outside the vehicle in real time. And then, boom, I was back in the vehicle. I'm not even kidding. Now, I I know it sounds crazy. Here's mm-hmm. another one, Marilyn. When I was seven years old, we were watching hockey, NHL hockey on TV. And my dad said, come outside, nighttime, right? 11 p.m. or midnight. I used to stay up late a lot. And there was three orange orbs in the sky. And they moved. And they disappeared. And they moved. And they disappeared. And the next day, my dad says, well, they were over top or close to an army base. So they could have been like a test aircraft, you know? So, like, I've had some paranormal stuff happen in my life. <laughs> well, it's interesting you described the near-death experience. That that stepping out of your body thing is a common thing. Actually, people describe it as being still in their body because they're still driving, still doing whatever they're doing, but they're also stepping up and away. And I think it's something that your consciousness can do when you're in moments of extreme stress. It's almost mm-hmm. like a protection of your consciousness, like when things are getting a little bit too intense you can actually kind of step back from it and away and up so that you're not as connected to it in case something happens. I've heard of police officers describing the same thing as well, and quite a few people actually. A lot of people who have near-death experiences describe that as they're watching the trauma of what is happening, they're actually watching it from two different vantage points, which is quite fascinating. It's one of the things that I didn't believe when I first started doing this, but because I've actually ended up seeing so much of it, I have to believe it. And I actually think in thinking it through that it is actually a protection mechanism that our consciousnesses have. And I think we do it at the time we die. That's why you have people who have these experiences in theatres where they'll flatline, they see themselves stepping up and away. And it's because that's what our consciousness does. It's the very first step of starting a trip back to the the other side. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. I like calling it the spirit world, other side of the veil. Mm. But we're all talking about the same thing, whatever words you use, you know, and I look at the spirit world as being more real than our world. We are the simulation. They are the reality, you know. I think our consciousness is the overriding thing in both sides of it and both sides of the life that we live. We live a cycle, basically. But I think Mm. that our consciousness is the driving force behind a lot of it. I think the reason why we come back to a physical realm, because it seems to be so tied to emotion. I think for some reason we experience emotion a lot more strongly in a physical form rather Mm -hmm. than in just consciousness form. Maybe there are certain things we can't experience as just consciousness. I suspect that's what it's about. Yeah, it's definitely close. We're we're on the right track here. (laughs) I really (laughs) love the work you do and all the guests you have and I'm more than honored to participate and and I do hope that I can come back to you in, in a year with more, you know. I have no doubt you will. I would bet my bottom dollar that you're going to have more come out and more revelations, especially if you do end up contacting the family. So, yeah, I would love, love, love to keep in touch with you and we'll let everyone know where we go from there. Yeah, but thank absolutely. you so much for coming on today. I really appreciate it. 
Yeah, it's been so nice uh, uh, meeting you too. Like, like I said, a lot of people don't take kindly to somebody who is going through a reincarnation search or a past life, you know, uh, journey on their life. And so you're a special person. I really appreciate it. Oh, well, thank you very much. I think in a way, I, I think I was led to this as my calling, I'll be honest. I actually yep. started it just out of almost like a kind of a something to do during COVID and it's become an absolute passion. I'm really so grateful for it because just it's just COVID. COVID. So you've been yeah. doing this for like three years. Around about three years, yeah. And I, I honestly wow. did it thinking no one's going to listen. I thought I was looking for everything and I thought, well, you know, I'll put one up and I honestly would have been delighted to get six people listening. And in the first, <laughs> the first week, I think I got something like 20,000 downloads and I went, holy mac. Wow. <laughs> oh, that was another thought I had. Not that I'm trying to compete with anybody, but when you post our episode, do you have any knowledge as to how many people listen to it? Like a few months later, would you know that if a thousand or 2000 people have listened to it? Yes, there is actually a counter that will tell me, and I'll keep you posted how it'll be. I imagine it'll be at least like uh, it'll be at least close to two thousand people at least, because uh, that's round about what every episode gets. But I have had a lot of people following me and contacting me, even though I haven't put anything up. So I suspect the numbers are slowly growing out there of people. Oh being yeah, it'll interested. just compound. Yeah, I love listening to it. I haven't got every single episode done yet, so I think there's one or two more to do. And uh, so, yeah, I'll, I'll let you go. And it's been super fun. Like, it's very uplifting. It's a very uplifting experience to be able to get it off your chest, talk about it. And this whole notion that somebody would make it up is just so crazy. And I'm so glad that me and you are past that, you know. Well, I'm glad uh, you spoke to me because I think that it's important for people to see what it's like to have past life memories and to have to cope with people telling you you're lying or you're trying to steal thunder from someone or... You know, that's yeah. not what it's about. And people who have memories often wish they didn't, you know, because it can be very confronting. It's not an easy thing to actually go through or to have. So thank you for coming forward and talking to me about it. It was very brave of you because I know that you bit of a tumultuous path with people listening to you. So Yeah, it was a great experience. You're my first <laughs> reincarnation friend. Based on reincarnation, I've met a new friend. <laughs> you have indeed. You have indeed. Yeah, And I hope you get a lot of people like I found you by searching. Are you on Audible? Well, I think I must be because someone else told me that I popped up in the Audible feed. And I'm like, but, I didn't even realize I was. But you're not anymore. I just searched the other day. Anyways, I found you, I'm pretty sure, 100% on Audible. And then I listened and it said at the end, if you want to talk about it. And it's like, boy, do I ever want to talk about it. I've wanted to talk about it with so many people. I've been messaging people and calling people. And, and uh, so next is to find a regressionist. And your last episode that you post was a regressionist who does Zoom meetings, you know. And so I'm going to reach out to her. Tony Riley is really, really good because she actually is, she's got the whole package there. She's focused not just on healing, but also on, you know, finding past life memories. She's very open to people wanting to find their past life memories. And she's also good at sort of um, helping people find meaning in their lives. So she's she's an amazing woman. So I'll let her know that you'll probably be contacting her. And, uh, yeah, you'll, she's great. I'm actually going to go to her myself, actually, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I, I can't wait to listen to um, your upcoming episodes. And I'm going to be so nervous when you post mine. <laughs> you but have nothing to be nervous about. I can tell you yours is an incredibly strong case. In fact, it's an amazing case. So thank you so much cool. for wow. coming forward. I'm so glad to hear that from you. Yeah. All right. Well, um, my emotions, I feel so good. I appreciate it. All right. Well, have a great day. You too. Thank you so much. Bye, Bye Marilyn.
Bye. Luke's final foray into battle took place during the final phase of the Meuse-Argonne Offensive, and this was a battle that played a major part in the final Allied offensive of World War I. It lasted for 47 days and was the largest battle in US military history at the time, involving 1.2 million American soldiers. It is one of the deadliest battles in the history of the United States Army, with over 350,000 casualties being recorded. The death toll included 28,000 Germans, 26,277 Americans, and an unknown number of French lives. American casualties were exacerbated by the inexperience of many of the troops, and also by tactics used during the early phases of the operation, and by the onset of the first viral global pandemic, the Spanish flu. Luke, in his usual fashion, broke his orders by landing his SPAD-13 at the French aerodrome at Sagonia, claiming he was having engine problems. He returned to the 1st Pursuit Group's base the next day, and in spite of his squadron commander, Captain Alfred A. Grant, confronting him and threatening him with arrest for being absent without leave, Luke took off again without authorization and flew to a base at Verdun, where his group commander was more sympathetic. He cancelled Frank's arrest order and gave him approval to continue on with his balloon busting. That evening, Frank Luke flew to the front to attack three balloons near Dunsamursa, six miles behind German lines. Luke shot down the enemy balloons but was severely wounded by a single machine gun bullet fired from a nearby hilltop, approximately a mile east of the last balloon he attacked. Frank Luke Jr. landed in a field near a stream just west of the village of Mirvu after strafing a group of German soldiers on the ground. Although he was weakened by his wound, he tried to reach a stream nearby, hoping to hide in the cover of its underbrush. However, his body gave out and he collapsed approximately 200 metres, or around 650 feet, from his plane. As the German infantry approached him, Frank drew his Colt 1911 pistol and fired a few rounds at his attackers before dying. On September 30th, 1918, the Germans buried Luke at Mirvu Cemetery, but his body was retrieved approximately two months later by American forces. His body now lies in the Meuse-Argonne American Cemetery and memorial near the village of Khaman Sumonfuku. Frank Luke Sr., Frank's father, was presented with a posthumous medal of honour for his son. Luke's commander, Major H.E. Hartney, said of him, No one had the sheer contemptuous courage that boy possessed. He was an excellent pilot and probably the best flying marksman on the Western Front. We had any number of expert pilots and there was no shortage of good shots, but the perfect combination, like the perfect specimen of anything in the world, was scarce, and Frank Luke was the perfect combination. Eddie Rickenbacker, who was considered to be the number one ace American fighter pilot, and Luke was the second, said of Luke, he was the most daring aviator and greatest fighter pilot of the entire war. His life is one of the brightest glories of our air service. He went on a rampage and shot down 14 enemy aircraft, including 10 balloons in eight days. No other ace, not even the dreaded von Richthofen, had ever come close to that. Thank you for listening to Reincarnation Past Lives Revisited. We hope you enjoyed this case. If you have any interesting stories about reincarnation, or if you can relate your own past life experiences, I'd love to hear about them, and I can be contacted through my email 
at reincarnationplr at gmail.com or via my Facebook page called Reincarnation Past Lives Revisited. If you'd like to support me, I'd be honoured if you'd become a Patreon supporter. You can find me on Patreon under Reincarnation PLR. I don't do extra content at the moment, but it's coming and your support helps me to keep on pumping out content faster and lets me keep on doing what I hope you love hearing. We'll be back again soon with another episode, but until then, remember you are unique and your life has a purpose.